Uh, again, want to welcome you all and uh, excited to have you here. We are at the conclusion of our one-to-one -one Find Your One series. And if you can believe it, we have been going through this now for 12 weeks. And I find it interesting um, that we started essentially at the beginning of the year, right after Christmas, and here we are moving toward Easter. And in a moment, I'm going to kind of show something as we're looking at the passage that we are going to be diving into on how I think God kind of providentially put this together. Why are we doing one-to-one? -one? I want to just back up real fast and remind all of us that uh, several months ago, prior to the study, I listened to a podcast with a gentleman by the name of Kerry Newhoff, who was interviewing Tom Rainer, who studies churches across America, the health of churches. And in this, what we were seeing, or what they were talking about, was as they examined sort of church purpose or church mission, they were seeing that while churches were moving forward with a lot of programming, a lot of different events, et cetera, et cetera, evangelism was taking a back seat. It was becoming something that was not at the forefront of the church, but rather it was at the back part of the church. And in that, what they discovered was what they see in America right now is what they call a lot of transfer growth, or they use the term market consolidation. So people going from one church to another rather than people uh, going out and sharing the gospel with people. And so in that, I took some time and I prayed and I said, Lord, um, I don't want to not go forward and encourage the church and challenge the church to go out and be evangelistic. But then in that, I also prayed and I said, Lord, how do I encourage them and also equip them with a tool that they could use if they want to, to go out and start spiritual conversations with people? But then also, if those individuals are um, interested in learning more about Jesus, to have a solid program where they could go and speak about the reliability of Scripture, about who Christ is, about who our God is, about why we are sinners in need of a Savior, about how we are saved, but then also, after having been saved, how we are to live. And that is what this study is. It's one-to-one. I also want to let you know, and um, it's somewhat personal to me, if, um, uh, if I can say so myself, this is what brought me to Christ. Now, the Lord brought me to Christ, but an individual back in college was willing to take the risk and sit down with me, uh, kind of a, a crazy frat boy, uh, and take the time to walk me through this study. And this is where I saw the reality of the scripture, the reality of who my Savior is, and that is where I placed my faith and trust in Jesus. Uh, this morning, we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to turn there. And as you do, you are going to see essentially a title that says, The Great Commission. Now, I want to take a moment and I want to ask this question, and this is what we're starting off this morning. What is the difference between a suggestion and a commission. What is the difference between a suggestion and a commission? A suggestion is something that is stated that is a option to either follow through on or not. I would suggest that you do this. I would say that it would be good that you do this. A commission is very different. A commission is actually a charge given 
by an individual or entity to a group of people to carry out in full. A charge given by an individual or an entity to a group of people to carry out in full. So this morning, what I want to ask you is this. Are we here carrying out a great suggestion? Or are we truly living out the Great Commission? The other thing that I want to say is this. It's a charge given to a group of people to carry out in full. It is not a charge given to an individual or a select few to carry out in partiality. And what I want to take a moment in, and what I want to ask us is this. What happens if we look around and we say, that's that person's job. They're the ones that should be doing that. What happens if we don't go? What happens if we don't go outside of these walls? What happens if in an opportunity where we have the option and the ability to tell somebody about Jesus, we pass it up because we're too busy or we're too afraid or we're fearful of being rejected? Brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning what I want to tell you is, is this. All of us are here because someone told us about Jesus. None of us came and figured it out entirely on our own. At some point, somewhere, someone said, let me tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we are here today. A commission is a charge given to a group of people to carry out in full. And so what I want to do is, is in a minute, I'm going to read this passage, but I also want to remind you where this passage lays in Scripture. We see Jesus come forward, and he will speak to his disciples, and he's going to remind them about the authority that he holds, and then he will go and actually give the commission to the individuals. But realize at this point where we are in Scripture, Jesus has come, he has been born, he has lived, he has taught He has now gone to the cross. He has died. He has risen from the grave. And people are in awe of who Jesus is. This is post-resurrection. This is post-glory. This is post-demonstration that Jesus indeed has the ability to triumph over sin and death and to mark and demonstrate the authority that he carries. At this point, it is very obvious that Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the Messiah. And so to conclude this portion of Scripture, we have to recognize that we have everything that Jesus needs to do in order to be accomplish what has been given. Let's take a moment. Let's look in our Bibles. We're going to read essentially a couple of verses, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's interesting because we look at this commission and we see several things going on within these short verses. The first thing that I want to show you and the thing that I think is so important for us to recognize is right in the beginning there is sort of a all in and there's also a I'm not sure yet. And that's what I want to show particularly in verses 16 through 20, uh, sorry 16 through 17 and that is this, that some will worship, some will doubt. And what I want to throw out to you is this, the question is do you believe the claim that Jesus makes? Some will worship and some will doubt. But the true question in this is, do you believe the claim that Jesus makes? Interestingly enough, I want to take a moment and I want to say this, that Jesus uses weak people like you and me to be his messengers to the world. Notice who he's chosen. Notice who the disciples are. These aren't elite individuals. These aren't people who are of high stature. They are common people who Jesus takes and forms to change the world. We have to remember and believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ still has the power to change the world just as much as it did back then as it does today in the 21st century. And what I want to encourage you in is is that we have to be on mission, trusting the faithfulness of God. Brothers and sisters, we are on a mission. We are called to carry out the message of the gospel. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't something that if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we can look at and say, well, thank you for the suggestion. I choose not to do it. We are commissioned. We are charged to move forward with what is stated below. And in that, what I want to tell you is this. You might find that you are weak or feel that you are weak. You might feel that you are unprepared. But know this, the God of the universe goes with you in this charge. And I want to encourage you in this. And I want to remind you that God will bring about opportunities to share the gospel with people if you are looking for them. And so lovingly, what I want to ask is, are you looking for them? Or are you too busy with your own life, consumed with your own desires and your own needs, that you're missing those opportunities to share the message of the gospel with others? We see right here, and I can understand why some might doubt. We have to realize that Jesus has died. He has risen from the grave. People are still trying to figure out what's going on. But here is the resurrected Christ in front of the individuals who he has spent the most time with. And we see sort of this unknown aspect. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And what I want to tell you is, is some were doubting who this really is. What has actually occurred and what does this truly mean? Which is why we then see Jesus make a very important claim. People are sitting there and they're saying, okay, I've seen what's happened. I understand what's there, but what does this truly mean and what am I supposed to do with it? And so interestingly enough, after verses 16 and 17, we move to, seven, uh, to, to verse 18. 
And this is what I want to show you because we see in these passages, right, the Great Commission, but I'm going to show you that the commission, the commission in and of itself doesn't start until after a claim has been made. And the commission is based on the entirety of the claim. And the claim is what we need to look at and recognize before we move to the commission. I want to take a second and let's see what that claim is. When Jesus came to them, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so prior, we see that Jesus comes forward and some worship, but some have doubt. And really the reality there is, will they believe who Jesus says he is? And will they believe the authority that he has? And so in verse 18, we see that the claim Jesus makes is that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Think through this for a minute. Jesus sees and demonstrates who he is to the people. The people see who Jesus is and begin to realize there is something different about this person. He obviously has a power in him that is different than what we've seen. But the uniqueness about this is power and ability or authority are different. Power is the ability to do so. I have the ability to do so. Authority is the legal action or right to utilize that power. Think through that for a minute. Someone can have power, but they may not have the legal right or action to be able to execute what it is that they will do. When Jesus comes forward and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, he is demonstrating the power to save people from their sins, but he is also saying, I have the authority and the legal right to do this because I am linked with my heavenly Father. And then the other thing that I want to show is this. Notice the scope of authority. Jesus comes forward and he says, yeah, I've got a little bit of authority here. I've been given some authority partially in the world and not in heaven. So this is my small scope where I have authority over, but outside over here I do not. That's not what the statement says at all. The scope of authority that has been given to Christ is summed up in one word, all. It is summed up in one word, all authority. The next thing I want to say is this, if Jesus has all authority, then think through this for a minute, no one else has any. Why do we allow others and other entities and the enemy to have authority over us when Jesus makes the claim, I have all authority in heaven and on earth? I ask you this. Do you believe it? See, it's one thing to say, oh, I believe Jesus, I believe this, etc., etc., but do you believe that he truly has all authority in heaven and on earth? 
and that no one else, nothing else, has authority over him. Because that's the claim that Jesus makes. And the reason that I'm resting here is the claim is what dictates the commission. Think through that for a minute. If someone comes forward and says, I'm commissioning you, I'm telling you to do this, and you look at them and you recognize, you know what, that person really has no authority over me. Why should I follow him or her or them? Would it be a commission at all? Maybe. Would it be the great commission? Not at all. And so the claim that Jesus makes is what dictates the commission that will follow. I want to show this. Verse 18 is the claim that Jesus makes. The commission is in verses 19 through 20. And that rests on the claim. If the claim in verse 18 isn't true, then all of what is stated in verses 19 through 20 is completely meaningless. There is no purpose behind it. There is no reason to follow it. You have to believe the claim. And so often in this, we get to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, and we look and we're like, okay, we've read it, and we pass through these verses, and we look at the Great Commission, and we see all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit, etc., etc., etc. And we don't rest on the claim because the claim is what dictates the commission. And the claim is true. And I ask again do you believe the claim? Brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning, what I want to seriously ask you is deep down in your hearts, do you believe that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And what I want to ask is this, if you do, will you raise your hand? Let me lovingly tell you this. If you believe this claim, then you must obey the commission. If you believe that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you cannot move forward and say, I choose not to obey the following commission. That's why it's there. We so quickly go over that verse to the commission and we forget that the commission rests on the claim. Now the two purposes in this that I wanna show you is that when we move through the commission, realize that the one that we are working for, the one that we are carrying out what has been said to do, has the authority and the ability to do so. So that's wonderful. That's extremely encouraging to realize that what we see in the commission has been given to us by the one that has the absolute authority to be able to tell us or help us to carry out what is asked. 
But lovingly I go to you and I say, if you truly believe the claim that Jesus makes, you cannot look at the commission as a suggestion. And so often in lives I see people saying, well, that's the job of them, or they should do that, or that's not my responsibility. If we believe the claim, then we must obey the commission. And so what is the commission? Notice the transition, right? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then we see the therefore. And I've said this before, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you want to say, why is it there? And what is it for? Most of the time, what's stated after rests on what is stated previously or what will come. And so, we see Jesus say, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so the next thing that I want to show you in this is that we are commissioned to go and to help the lost. Learn, live, and become like Jesus. That's what we're called to do. That is what we are commissioned to do. To go, to help the lost, to learn, to live and to become like Jesus. And so I throw this out again. How can we advance the commission if we're not obeying the command? And I just want to take a minute. I want to soak that in. And I want you to look deep within your hearts. And I want you to just say, Lord, in my life, how are you using me to advance your kingdom? How am I going? Am I going? And we're encouraging individuals to be baptized. Are we teaching them about Jesus? And Lord, am I living in obedience to you so that when people see me, they see someone who's not perfect. Yes, we're all sinners in need of a savior. Yes, we stumble. But Lord, when they look at us, do they see someone who is authentically following Jesus or do they see a hypocrite who is telling that individual that they're in their sin, yet their life hasn't been changed by the one who does so? 
How can we advance the commission if we're not obeying the command? And so what do we do? How do we do this, right? Jesus says very clearly, look, all authority has been given to me. That is my claim. And now I'm giving you this commission or this command. Because of this, go and do these things. And so the first thing that I want to rest on is, is that we make disciples, followers of Jesus, by going. It starts by going. And so lovingly what I want to tell you is if we're not going, then everything else isn't going to happen. We need to be disciples making disciples. It starts with going. The other thing I want to show you is this. Oh, well, that's their job. Or, oh, well, that's the job of the evangelistic team. Well, yes, we have an evangelistic team in the church. And yes, they will do what they can to move forward. But what I want to tell you is this. I don't see anywhere in Scripture that says those that are supposed to go are a select few individuals. It is a commission to anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. This commission is not just for a select few. Every disciple is to make disciples. And we should be a going church. And what I want to lovingly suggest to us is in going, this could be as small as our neighborhood, our business, your local coffee group. It could be your golf club or your golfing buddies. It could be your sports team, it could be in your classroom, and it can be as large as the nations. Oftentimes I think that people get overwhelmed and when they see this, they think, well, I've got to go out and do all of these things. And what I want to tell you is it starts with just one. Think through this for a minute. How did 11 people carry out a global movement. They went by the power of the Holy Spirit, one to one to one. And over the ages, it's expanded to you and I worshiping here today in Panora, Iowa. And so in this, what I want to tell you is, is we're all called to do it. And you have the ability to do so through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to ask you is, are you going? Are you even looking? Are you even asking, Lord, is there someone or some place out there where people are talking or asking? Have you put someone in my sphere of influence that's asking questions about God or asking spiritual things? Are we even saying, Lord, you know what? Send me somewhere. In our prayers, when we go before God, are we just asking him for things? Are we just saying, Lord, do this for me, help me here, heal this person? All of those are good. I'm not saying they're wrong. But where in our prayers are we saying, Lord, send me to someone who needs to hear who you are? Brothers and sisters in Christ, lovingly, I think when we pray that and when we begin to look and say, genuinely, Put someone in my path who does not know you that I could have the opportunity to share the gospel with. I'm not God, but I highly doubt that he's going to say no. 
Are we asking? Are we seeking? Are we knocking for that? We must start by going. But then also within this commission, we see that we make disciples by baptizing. And what I want to encourage you in here is baptism is a proclamation of one's faith. It is not a salvific event. But baptism should naturally flow from someone making a claim as Christ being their savior. Someone has said this before, I heard this claim, I think it's kind of a neat way to think about this. If we're commissioned to make disciples, okay, or if we're commissioned to make a disciple, we're also commissioned to mark a disciple. And the marking of a disciple is by being baptized. And so one of the things that we want to encourage in this is to say, if individuals come to a saving faith in Jesus, go forward and proclaim before your family and your friends and the community around you through baptism that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And interestingly enough, take a minute and uh, watch what's stated here. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I want you just to take a moment and mark that in your scripture, because notice that the name in this is singular. not plural. Right here is the indicator of the triune nature of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as Jesus says this, it's an overt proclamation of the deity of Jesus. Right here, Jesus is saying, I am God in the flesh who has been resurrected for you to forgive you of your sins. And so not only do we make disciples by going, not only do we make disciples by baptizing, we then make disciples by teaching. Jesus continues on. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and, connected to it, teaching them. And so one of the things that I would say is, is we will do everything we can in our ability to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters in Christ, you can do the same. You can share the scriptures with other people. You can demonstrate who Christ is by showing them the scriptures. And the other thing that I want to say is this. We will do what we can to assimilate the information to you to try to help you better understand the scriptures But lovingly, what I want to tell you is it's not just for understanding's sake. It isn't just to amass knowledge. It's to transform us into action. Teaching isn't just amassing information. It's allowing that information to change and transform us into the image of Christ. 
And so lovingly, what I want to ask you is this. Are you here just to amass knowledge, or are you here to allow the Word to permeate your heart, to transform you more into the image of Jesus, so that as you go out into the world, you are more equipped, better prepared, to teach and share the gospel with others. James 1.22 says this, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. And so as we see the word, as we look at the word, as the word permeates our heart, do we look at it as just a good suggestion or do we allow it to permeate us and change us? To transform our thinking, to transform our lives, to transform our actions, to be more gospel-centered and gospel-focused. Or just to amass knowledge. And then the next thing that I would say is this. Jesus continues on and he says, teaching them to what? Teaching them just to teach? He says to obey so the next thing I want to encourage you in is we make disciples by living in obedience to the commands that Jesus has given. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, okay, let's, let me just, let me throw this out. Does anybody love Jesus? Is everybody obeying what he commands? Now, I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but so many people are quick to say, oh, I love Jesus, and they forget the next part of that verse. Are we obeying what he commands? Let me just put it this way. Do we have a heart and a desire to obey what he commands? Because I'm not perfect. I've told you before, spend 20 minutes with me on a highway when I'm late to a meeting, and you will find that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. But I would hope that as people look and examine my life over a period of time, whether close or from afar, they would see within me a deep heart to obey my heavenly father. And so what I want to ask you is this, are we obeying the command Jesus gives? And better yet, if all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus and the scriptures are the revelation of who our Savior is, are we picking and choosing what to obey or not to obey because we still think it's a suggestion? Or better yet, are we turning to people and saying, well, they should obey that, but yet when we look at a scripture and it pricks our heart and we're convicted of our sin, do we take it as a suggestion rather than a command? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we make disciples by living in obedience to the commands Jesus has given. And so we come to this part, we come to this end of the gospel, we come to this glorious passage where we use it as an encouragement for everyone to go out and make disciples. But what I want to tell you is this. It's a little bit concerning sometimes if I just say, go and do it, good luck, right? I hope it works for you. 
But notice at the end, it doesn't stop right there. Jesus doesn't just say, go and make disciples. Go out in all the nations. Baptize them. Tell them about the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded. with this beautiful spot in the gospel. It says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so before we get to this, realize that some are going to come forward and they're going to worship. And some might have doubts in their heart, but then when we see the claim of Jesus, we realize that all authority has been given to him. And lovingly, if we say we believe that claim, then I tell you, we have to obey the commission. And that commission is, is that we are called, we are commanded to go and help the lost learn, live, and become like Jesus. And we've seen how we're to do this, but also notice that Jesus doesn't say, go and do this, and then report back to me. Go and do this, but don't bother me. He says, And surely I am with you always till the very end of the age. Know that when you are in the community, know that when you are in a place where you might feel like you are alone, God is right there with you. And all authority has been given to him on heaven, or up in heaven and on earth. And he has called you with a commission. And you don't go it alone. The final part of this is, is know that even before we go, even before we step out, Jesus is with us. Brothers and sisters, we carry this commission not only with the power of Jesus, and there is great power, but we carry it out with the presence of Jesus. And that brings great peace and comfort to my heart. The other thing I want to show you is this. Um, I love how Matthew writes his message, and I love how it is formed together to encourage us in who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ. Take a minute, I just want you to notice this, okay? I want you to notice the bookends of the Gospel of Matthew. The beginning and the end of all that goes on in the story of the Gospel. In chapter 1, verse 23, even before Jesus is born, we read that we will be given Emmanuel, or God, with us. Right? And interestingly enough, and this is what I find so neat about how God put this together, back at Christmas, we were talking about God with us, our Emmanuel. And then we've gone through this series one to one, and what are we doing here in a couple of weeks? We're celebrating Easter, the resurrection of our Savior. And Matthew concludes everything, all that's occurred through the story of the gospel ends 
With what? God being with us. Wraps it up in a nice bookend bow. I will give you Emmanuel. Emmanuel will come and will do and will live and will die and be resurrected from the grave to forgive you of your sins. He will come forward. He will demonstrate his authority. He will give you a commission. And then he will say, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're not left to wander. We're not left to wonder. We're not left to do this on our own. We go forward with the God of all authority. So what I want to do, I want to just take this time for a minute. I want to leave you with this truth. If we believe Jesus' claim, then we must obey his commission. And lovingly, what I want to say is go and make disciples. That's what we are called to do. And so uh, I want to take a moment. I want to take some time. Um, I sent out an email uh, on Friday. Some of you might have received it. If you didn't receive it, uh, this is what I want to speak to right now. Um, We're going to take some time. And if you uh, look in your bulletin, there is a sheet saying, who is your one? All right? And I've talked about that. Uh, I've been asking you to pray. Has God put someone in your life that you feel you could share the gospel with? Are you willing to do so? And then I've also encouraged you that if you want, okay, there are studies up here with one-to-one that you could utilize if you would like to do that. There is a leader's guide and there is a participant's guide. But I've also said this, and I will say it lovingly. um, I would rather have one person come forward. Actually, I'd rather have no one come forward, although I pray that someone will that is serious about this call, that says, yes, you know, I I am looking, I'm praying, God's put someone on my heart, and I'm willing to move forward and engage with spiritual conversations with them. Should you choose to use one-to-one, if that's a tool you want to use, great. If you want to do it in your own way, I'm not saying this is the only way. I'm just doing what I can to equip you with a tool to where you could feel prepared to do so. But I would rather have it be a serious commitment than, I've said in the email, 400 people come forward and say, oh, sure, I'll do it, oh, sure, I'll do it. But in it, what we're going to do is this. Um, If you are feeling called, I would like you to write down the name um, of the person that you are wanting to move forward with, right? Um, I also said you do not have to put down their last name if you don't want to. God knows the name of the person. If you want to put their last name, go for it. That's fine. But what we're going to do afterwards is we're going to take those that are here and we're going to just put them on a list and we're going to be praying because the other side of this is if people are moving forward and they're saying, I want to take the gospel to this person, I guarantee you that the enemy is going to do what he can to distract us from accomplishing that mission. Right? And I kind of find it interesting. I woke up this morning, and we had a glorious day yesterday, warm weather, awesome time. I get out, and I look, and what's going on? Snow. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, really? 
Like the culmination of this, the time that I'm encouraging people, what's going on, right? And all of a sudden, God bless Kelly, she just looks at me and she said, don't be discouraged. It's the enemy just trying to do what he always does and he will not be victorious. And so here's what I'm asking you. Take time and pray. There are pens right up here if you'd like one. Um, If you are being called to do this, please come forward. If you are not, if you don't have a name, be praying for one. I would encourage you to do so. But please don't feel pressured. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, Trevor's looking around and if I don't walk up to the basket, he's going to think blah, blah, blah. I want this to be a God movement where he is saying, this is a person I've laid on your heart. But then also I'm going to lovingly tell you it's a commission. So if you put the name in the basket, please move forward and do everything that you can to speak to this person. That's what I'm asking. So uh, let's take time. We're going to pray. We've got a little bit of music. Uh, We're going to go before God, and we'll just see what God's going to do. Thank you. Father, we uh, come before you today, and we just thank you for you. We thank you for the joy that you are. Uh, We thank you for what Christ has done on our behalf. Father, we thank you for uh, the truth of what we see in scriptures. Father, thank you for what you've taught us over these several weeks, uh, reminding us that uh, what we have in scripture is real, that we can bank on it. Thank you for how we've been able to demonstrate the fact that What is in here is trustworthy. Uh, What is in here is accurate. Uh, What is in here is of you. Thank you for the uniqueness of the scripture, recognizing that it indeed is the holiness and the true word of God. Father, thank you too for the fact that you are wanting to reveal yourself to us through our Savior Jesus Christ, that you've made the pathway of salvation known. Um, Thank you that we realize and recognize that we cannot come to you on our own fruition, uh, on our own ability, on our own uh, self uh, sort of exploration or advancement. Uh, Rather, we can only come to you uh, through the gift of our Savior Jesus, which is why uh, Christ's mission on the cross is so important. Father, thank you that Christ is uh, willing and obedient to do so. Thank you that he was willing to go to the cross on our behalf, something that we're moving towards celebrating here uh, in just a couple of weeks. But Father, also, may we realize and praise you uh, that while the cross is central uh, to the story, Um, the resurrection is what makes all things possible. Thank you that we celebrate and worship a resurrected God who indeed has triumphed over sin and death and brought about eternal life to those who place their faith and trust in him. But also, Father, thank you that you continue to be God with us. Thank you that you have not set things in motion um, and left us here just to try to figure it out on our own, but rather you go before us. Father, thank you that we have the Holy Spirit within us to guide us and direct us. And thank you for your word to instruct us in your truth. We take a moment, Lord, even now, and I just pray for the individuals who have come forward, uh, who you've placed a name on their heart. Father, encourage them. Lord, may we be praying for the people that uh, they have uh, wanted or are desiring to engage in a conversation with. I pray that you would um, remind them, indeed, uh, that you go with them and before them, that the Holy Spirit is within them. And Lord, even now we pray uh, that you would be softening hearts to hear the message of the gospel. Father, thank you for the privilege that it is. May we be reminded of the commission. May we recognize that we are called to do so. And in that, Lord, help us to do what we can through the power that you give to go and to make disciples.
Make disciples of all, na- of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything that you have commanded. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy to do so. Thank you for the ability to do so, and we look forward to see how you can use us to advance your kingdom for your honor, your glory, and your name's sake. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus, and we ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen.